Now let's look at that word church. The word that Jesus used for church in the original Greek was ecclesia. And if you get out your concordance, you'll find out that every single time the word church appears throughout the entire New Testament, the original Greek word was ecclesia. So what does the word ecclesia mean? Well, it turns out that the word ecclesia means assembly or congregation. In other words, a group of people. That's all it means. So all throughout the New Testament, when our English uses the word church, it means assembly. What we today call Paul's church letters. When it says from Paul unto the church of the Thessalonians, it means from Paul unto the assembly of the Thessalonians. Jesus himself, when he dictates seven letters recorded for us in Revelation, chapters 2 and 3, in our old English it says, of the church of Ephesus, right? Of the church of Smyrna, right? Or of the church in Pergamos, right? Every one of those cases, the original word was ecclesia. But that's just the singular form of the word. What about the plural? Churches. Turns out it's still the word ecclesia. So where it says in Revelation chapter 1 verse 11, the seven churches which are in Asia, it's still ecclesia. So it means the seven assemblies in Asia. There's only one place in the entire New Testament where the word churches is used in our English that wasn't translated from the word ecclesia. And that's in Acts chapter 19 verse 37. Because in that verse, it was talking about a temple. Not an assembly of Christians. But with that one exception, every time the English word church or churches is used in the New Testament, it's being translated from the Greek word ecclesia, which simply means assembly. There's an Old Testament book called Ecclesiastes, which is the Greek translation of its original Hebrew title, Koheleth, which means one who addresses an assembly. Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes and began his book with the phrase, The words of the Koheleth, the son of David and king in Jerusalem. So in English, it should say the words of the one who addresses the assembly. But we kept the Greek title when it was translated into English and called it Ecclesiastes. So who's assembling, folks? Who makes up the assembly? People like Peter, who've accepted what they've been taught by the Father, that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Son of the Living God. People who build everything they are on the rock, who takes away their sin. People who've been stamped and sealed by the Holy Spirit being reborn and adopted into the family of God. So are we perfectly clear about what the Holy Scriptures means when it says church in our English? It doesn't mean the building that people cram into on Sunday mornings. It doesn't mean a religious organization. It doesn't mean the Vatican. It doesn't mean Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Church of Christ, Assemblies of God, Pentecostal, or any of that nonsense. And it certainly doesn't have anything to do with what we would call worship services. All of that is man-made tradition. It's got nothing to do with what the Bible means when it uses the word ecclesia. But Josh, what about the singing of songs in our worship services? Well, the Bible does say make a joyful noise unto the Lord, but you can do that with someone or you can do it alone. You can do that on your way to work in your car on a Tuesday morning. You can also do it with a group of people on a Sunday morning. And there's nothing wrong with that, but the Bible didn't say you had to. It just said, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. In other places, it even gives wise suggestions concerning the accompaniment of instruments. But there's no biblical laws here, folks, and certainly nothing regulating or even suggesting what we today would call church or worship services. 
But Josh, what about the sermons? Well, the Bible does endorse the adhering to sound biblical teaching. Teaching is one of the many spiritual gifts that are given to select members of the assembly to bring it truth, sound doctrine, the reproof of sin, the encouragement of staying the course, and so on and so forth. But once again, the Bible is silent concerning the use of that gift in the sense that it doesn't say it has to be behind a pulpit on Sunday mornings. It can go there, but it doesn't have to. Someone with the gift of teaching can employ that gift to a small group of people at a restaurant or in a living room during an intimate conversation. No structure, no formalities, no ceremonies commanded. Now, sometimes people get mad at me for bringing all this stuff up, but don't get mad at me. Get mad at God for leaving a book out of the Bible that tells you what you want to hear. Is the Sunday morning worship service a bad thing? No, not necessarily. Just as washing your hands up to your elbows before you eat isn't a bad thing. But remember what happened? The Pharisees had turned that into religious tradition and made it law. And what did Jesus say to them about that? He told them, you teach the commandments of men as commandments of God, but you ignore the commandments of God to keep your traditions. Uh Uh-oh, that's not good. Is that what we've done with Sunday mornings, folks? I don't know. Let's look at it. Was there anything wrong with washing your hands up to your elbows before you ate? No. So when did it become a bad thing? It became a bad thing when it was taught as the commandment of God and then replaced the real commandments of God. So think about this, folks. Using Jesus' own logic and Jesus' own words here. Is meeting together in a public building on Sunday mornings, singing songs before the Lord and then quietly listening to a sermon, is that a bad thing? No. But it can become a bad thing if doing that is being taught as a commandment of God and then replaces the real commandments of God. Are our 21st century churches doing that? Hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 to 25 admonishes us to assemble together whenever possible, wherever possible, with as many or as little as possible, and as often as possible. Do you assemble with fellow Christians in their homes throughout the week? Do you call them up on the phone? Do you meet with them in public for lunch or dinner in restaurants? Do you get together with them as often as possible? No, but I go to church every Sunday. Ah, read those verses carefully. You can't accomplish what those verses are talking about once a week. That's not enough. And you certainly can't accomplish it at a Sunday morning worship service. You can sing songs and make a joyful noise unto the Lord, and you can get some good teaching, but you can't fulfill Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 by going to Sunday morning worship services. You can't do it. And to say that you are is replacing the commandments of God with the commandments of man. Here's another example. The entire Bible from cover to cover says, read me, read me, read me. Jesus himself said, if you abide in my word, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Do you abide in God's word? No, but I listen to my pastor every Sunday and he teaches from the word and I listen to sermons all week long. Really? That's great. That's commendable. But that's not abiding in God's word. You're listening to teaching and that's a good thing, but you don't know if that teaching is good teaching or bad teaching if you're not abiding in God's word. Jesus didn't say teaching would set you free or going to church would set you free. He said abiding in his word would set you free. If you're not abiding in God's word, but then say you are by attending worship services, then you're replacing the commandments of God with the commandments of man. Throughout the entire New Testament, when our English uses the word church or churches, the original Greek word used is ecclesia, which means assembly. And that's all it means. 
To say that it means something different is to take the truth of God's word and replace it with a lie. Which, if you're like me, you have to wonder if the word ecclesia means congregation or assembly, then why doesn't our English Bibles just say that? In John chapter 1, where it says, In the beginning was the word. You dig out your concordance and look for the original Greek word that was used there. You'll find that it's logos, from which we get the word logo. What does the Greek word logos mean in English? It means word. So when it got translated from Greek to English, they put down word. Why didn't the English translators do the same with Ecclesia? If it means assembly, why didn't they just put assembly? When did English-speaking Christians start using the word church? And that question will lead you to the next burning question. Where in the world did the word church come from to begin with? Folks, I've been battling the world's view of what church is for many years. The world has their view, the Bible has its view, and I stick with the Bible's view. It's the assembly of those who belong to the family of God, period. Nothing about Sunday mornings or public buildings. And I've gotten a lot of grief for holding that view, even though it's biblical, but it wasn't until this week that I studied for this session that I learned that even the word church itself is more pagan than Christian. Folks, I was stunned. When I started trying to find out where the word church came from, it shocked me to discover that for the most part, nobody really knows. Nobody really knows what that word means or where it even came from. At best, we can trace back the usage of the word church and find out how it came into being through the transliteration of words from culture to culture. For example, my last name is Alam, A-L-L-E-M, but that's not an English translation of my family's original last name. It's a transliteration. Ages ago, it was Alamond, A-L-L-E-M-A-N-D. At some point, probably after Ellis Island, the and was dropped, and it just became Alam. And then after a long time in American culture, Alam became Alam. It turns out that's the same way you have to trace back the usage of the word church. And when you do that, you'll find out that there were pagan religions using the word church long before Christians ever began using it. The word church originates from the Greek word koriakon, K-U-R-I-A-K-O-N, which means the Lord's house. And the word Lord isn't used the same way that you and I would use the term, but it's Lord as in master, the master's house. It was a place of worship for any religion, not just Christianity. And the word koriakon was specifically used to define not the people who worshipped in that religion, but the place of worship itself, the building. No wonder we're so confused today. Well, how did Koryakon become church? Well, it went through several transliterations from language to language, just like my last name did. Check this out from Fawcett's Bible Dictionary. It says the word church is known in Scotland as Kirk, K-I-R-K, and in German as Kirch, K-I-R-C-H-E, and in the Netherlands as Kirk, K-E-R-K. When you see the German word Kirch taken from the Greek word Koryakon, you can begin to pick up our English-sounding word church. English has many words that have come from the German language, but the original Greek words Koryakon and Ecclesia are not synonymous by any stretch of the imagination. And there is no justification of the use of the word church for Ecclesia, because Koryakon, Kirch, and church all meant simply a religious building. Christians originally didn't use buildings, which distinguished them from the pagans whose focus was on buildings, statues, rituals, ceremonies, and physical objects. 
But that changed in time, and especially after Christianity became the national religion of Rome. And when the language of Christianity entered into the lexicons of English-speaking people, the corruption had already taken its toll because by that time, there was a built-in bias in shifting the meaning of the word ecclesia from the people to a building. Because a building would more serve the purposes of a religious group with a built-in hierarchy. From its earliest usage, the English word church has been understood in pagan traditions long before Christians started using it, and then later in Roman Catholicism and now in this present day as a building. But never has the word church been demonstrated or justified from a biblical standpoint to represent the Greek word ecclesia. And yet, in our old English Bibles, every time the Greek word ecclesia was used, it was translated church. As a matter of fact, most, if not all, of our modern English translations still translated as church. Even the Amplified Bible, the New American Standard, and the ESV English Standard. In all my research, the only English Bibles that don't translate Ecclesia into church is the ISV, the International Standard Version. It translates it Congregation. The Darby Bible translates it Assembly. The World English Bible translates it Assembly. And the Young's Literal Translation translates it Assembly. Every other translation that's out there, folks, as great as they are, they still revert to translating Ecclesia into church. It's incredible. 